we are now going to hear a, a talk that was um, sent to us by Swapnesh Dubé. And he, Swapnesh is actually here. He's uh, he's in uh, he's in a Zoom room, so he's going to be watching himself, <laughs> checking his own uh, his own facts. Um, I met Swapnesh over a year ago um, over Facebook, and uh, we just began chatting and have developed a, a very uh, deep and profound friendship, and we've shared a lot of um, thoughts and ideas and stories, and he is truly one of the most inspiring people that I have met. Um, Nicole is going to share the link to the script, which is the transcription of what Swapnish is going to be sharing. And there are a couple of terms that uh, you might not um, get when you first hear them. Uh, the term hijra, uh, for instance. So if you if you want to um, uh, download the link and, and uh, read along with the transcript, it might help. You can also turn on closed captioning if you would like to, um, or just sit back and, um, and let, let the words uh, flow over you. And uh, I would like to welcome now Swapnesh Dubé speaking to us about the overturning of Code 377 of the Indian Penal Code. My name is Swapnesh, and I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about a subject close to my heart. I hope you all are doing well and being safe. Today I want to talk to you about how British Colonial Law, Section 377, forced the Indian LGBTQI plus community to be hidden, suppressed, and to feel worthless for nearly 158 years. And I also want you all to know how the Indian Supreme Court, with its historic judgment, gave hope and freedom to millions of people in India. First, the wording of Code 377 is as follows. Unnatural offenses, whoever voluntarily has carnal intercourse against the order of nature with any man, woman, or animal, shall be punished with imprisonment for life or with imprisonment of either description for term which may extend to 10 years and shall also be liable to fine. Meaning of that is penetration is sufficient to constitute the carnal intercourse necessary to the offense described in this section. Before I mention how this law came in the picture, let me mention how India's Ministry of Home Affairs has submitted an affidavit supporting Section 377 in the Code in the year of 2005. It said, The law does not run separately from society. It only reflects the perception of the society. When Section 377 was brought under the statute as an act of criminality, it responded to the values and most of the time in Indian society. The Ministry also claimed that by comparison, to the United Kingdom and the United States of America, objectively speaking, there is no such tolerance to the practice of homosexuality in Indian society. When in fact, Section 377, at its origin, did not respond to Indian society or its values or most at all. British colonial governors imposed it on India undemocratically. It reflected only the British Judeo-Christian values of that time. The Criminal Tribes Act of 1871 in India defined certain tribal communities 
collectively as armed robbers, thieves and undesirables. British authorities associated nomadism not only with crime but with sexual immorality. In 1897, this same act was amended and expressly included eunuchs as a notified group. In practice, this meant India's hijras presumed to be sexually immoral and guilty of sodomy. The word hijra possibly derived from the word Urdu word isra, meaning a nomad or wanderer. From a large community of people in India who were born male, yet lived their lives as female or a third gender. In many Indian cultures, this was a defined and permitted social niche. But under British laws, any eunuch who appeared dressed or ornamented like a woman in public street or who danced, played music or took part in any exhibition in public street could be arrested without warrant. The law denied hijras legal personhood including the right to draw up a will or to adopt a child. Local authorities had to keep a register of all eunuchs reasonably suspected of committing these offences as detailed under Section 377 of the Indian Penal Code. The British considered hijra communities in India a distasteful nuisance. Colonial authorities obstructed their traditional rights including rights to land and money they owned in villages across India. Anti-baking provisions in vagrancy laws, such as those in the Bombay and Bengal presidencies, also criminalized the customary social niche of Hijras as mendicants. The 1897 amendment, subtitled an act for the registration of criminal tribes and units, that linked Hijra identity to Section 377. It showed how the vagrancy and the sodomy provisions stemmed from the same motive to place not just behaviors but classes of people under surveillance and control. Colonial laws ultimately made the personal condition of being Hijra a criminal offense, and that list went on adding anyone and everyone which British authorities thought were unnatural and not good for the society. This is how we got this colonial law, Section 377. It came from British laws and like any other law, it became the part of Indian legal system, even after the independence in 1947. By then, LGBTQI plus communities were well isolated and people began seeing them as a criminals encouraging these individuals to hide any alternative sexualities or genders. On the other hand, Indian culture seemed to have historically celebrated many kinds of sexualities. The Kama Sutra, the book which we proudly share with the world, tells us how to celebrate the sex and embraces an understanding of different sexualities. Indian temples and sculptures are full of signs that alternative sexualities have historically been accepted. Even Indian gods seem to represent perfect examples of sexual fluidity. But all of that aside, we Indians are still stuck with British colonial laws. How strange! Now let's jump to how the Indian Supreme Court in its historic judgment 
try to change so many things for the LGBTQI plus community in India. It all started in July 2009 when the Delhi High Court first struck down portions of Section 377 as unconstitutional with respect to gay sex. It was a big day for the LGBTQI plus community in India. But the judgment was challenged in the Supreme Court and unfortunately was overturned on 11th December 2013. The court held that amending or repealing Section 377 should be a matter left to Parliament, not the judiciary. Well, we all knew Parliament could never touch Section 377 since for Indian governments, the LGBTQI plus community was never really a priority. Indian LGBTQI plus activists and petitioners kept working towards getting time in the Supreme Court to revisit the judgment. Finally, the Supreme Court decided it would review the judgment by a five-member constitutional bench. In the process, something very interesting happened. On 24th August 2017, the Supreme Court upheld the right to privacy as a fundamental right under the Constitution. In the same judgment, the court also called for equality and condemned discrimination, stating that the protection of sexual orientation lies at the very core of one's fundamental rights. This judgment paved the path for the LGBTQI plus community. I was very sure after this judgment that this would be the time when the Supreme Court would actually strike down Section 377. And that's what happened. 6 September 2018, the Supreme Court of India ruled the application of Code 377 to consensual homosexual sex between adults was unconstitutional, irrational, indefensible, and manifestly arbitrary. The happiness, the tears, the hope when this news broke on TV channels made the future look bright. But as usual, government was silent on this decision. In fact, some of the ministers of the Indian government continued to claim it went against Indian culture, even after the historic judgment was announced. The 495-page path-breaking verdict, delivered by a five-judge constitutional bench headed by then-Chief Justice Deepak Misra, took the help of philosophers and poets to read down parts of an 158 years old colonial law under Section 377 of the IPC, which criminalized consensual gay sex. Since that judgment, so many things have changed. Police can't take advantage of LGBTQI plus people as easily anymore. The law stands with community and that gives strength to a lot of people to stand against bigotry and to fight back. Sexual harassment can't simply be legally swept under the rug now. Society will still need to need so many years to change, but things are changing bit by bit. Many more LGBTQI plus people are coming out of closet. Now that they know the law is on their side, the feeling of being freed from a draconian law like Section 377 is so wonderful. We all can feel that around us. People from all parts of life coming out and talking about sexuality and beginning to explore who they truly may be. 
Many corporate houses, even if it is only to show off, are coming on board by hiring LGBTQI plus people. Filmmakers are putting LGBTQI plus characters into their films and television and series. Although I must say that a lot of stereotypes and lack of sensitivity is still being shown towards these characters. Young men and women are talking about LGBTQI plus rights and becoming allies to help the cause. Talk of marriage equality is already happening in Indian courts. Though many of these petitions are rejected because the government is totally against it and courts are simply not ready to take further steps yet. But in the future, India will have marriage equality because the courts in India have always stood by the people more than parliamentarians will ever do. I am what I am, so take me as I am. This is how the Supreme Court judgment on scrapping section 377 began. By using a lot of poetic references and philosophical statements, it has gotten to the point where one of the five judges actually said, we as a nation should apologize to the LGBTQI plus community as we are responsible for the suffering they went through all these years. The ruling was not just a judgment. It was an emotional affair. So many people watching the TV, listening to the news, trapped in heterosexual marriages, cried that day and called me to say they wished they could start their lives again with this judgment. Many LGBTQI plus people who were about to get married by force or by giving in to familial pressure have decided not to do so. Now they know the law is with them. The judiciary plays a crucial role in changing how society behaves. After this judgment, a change in society is quite visible. Obviously, it needs to go further out from just a few metropolitan cities because real India still resides in villages. Conversation and awareness is still a long path to cross, but the judgment marked a watershed moment in national conversation around queer rights. Mostly because judges themselves recognize that the historical wrongs done to the queer community needs to be atoned for at a policy level. Saying goodbye to Section 377 was a great moment and has changed the lives of LGBTQI plus community in an enormous way. Now it feels like the British, British establishment has actually left, and India is coming back to the same path where she used to celebrate alternative sexualities with welcoming hands. I, I wish to see that India in the near future. I wish you all much happiness and health, be well, Accept people for who they are and always smile. Thank you.